Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's word for us today. Uh, kills me every time. Uh, but also, do you notice how much sweat was in that video? Uh, if you've never been to Honduras, it's really hot there. It's really hot. So, hey, my name is Matt Foreman. I'm the lead pastor. Glad you're here this morning. We are going to jump right into our teaching this morning. Uh, so if you uh, want to grab a Bible, you can do that. Uh, but to get us started this morning, uh, I know that probably several of you have because we actually use it uh, for our leadership uh, class here at the church. But I'm curious if any of you have ever heard of or read this book that I'm holding up, The Way of the Shepherd. If you've read it, raise your hand. Okay, many of you probably have because we actually use this stuff. Uh, the Actual, the title of the book is The Way of the Shepherd, Severin, 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 that's, a, that's not a word, Seven Secrets to Managing Productive People. Essentially, this is a leadership book, uh, and actually one that I would say uh, has probably shaped my leadership than any other book or conference or training that I've been a part of. Uh, I got this book years ago from actually my uncle, um, and he, he was an executive for Gordon, Fru- Gordon Food Service. He said, you got to read this book. So it's an incredible book. If you've never read it, I would highly recommend it. Actually, I'm going to give it away to somebody today. Does anybody want this book? Uh, all right, right here, right there. There you go. Oh, all right, awesome. Uh, good. So... I figured I'd just give it away today. All right. All right. Um, and so I, I use that to begin this morning uh, because the entire premise of that book uh, is that it's dissecting the, quote, way of the shepherd, quote, unquote, the way of the shepherd, taking things that a good shepherd does with his sheep and applying them to kind of leadership. It's kind of a narrative book. It's kind of read like a story, things like that. And suggesting that if we can make, uh, take some pointers from them, uh, them, the shepherds with their quote unquote flock and our flock, our team, those we lead, uh, do what they do and how they do it, we can create an environment where people, our sheep, quote unquote, would follow us really anywhere, that we'll have a great team. Essentially, we take these principles and we apply them to our leadership, we can have a great team. Which actually I've found, as I've done leadership now for you know, 15, 20 years, right, I've just found that it's a great model, uh, this way of the shepherd to follow. And I'm babbling about this this morning because, yes, I love the book, those kind of things, but because... Uh, Uh, Though this book is actually not a quote-unquote Christian book, right? Uh, Many of us know that the Bible makes several parallels uh, to... um to shepherds and to sheep throughout uh, the Bible. Uh, Most importantly, that Jesus himself is actually the, by the way, who is the greatest leader uh, to ever live, right? Uh, Jesus himself is the quote, good shepherd. He actually in John 10, 11 identifies himself as such. It says in John 10, 11 says, I, this is Jesus talking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, which of course, many of us know that he did, right? As he went to the cross. And he continues, though, in in John 10, 12, he says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf, then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then he says it again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus, the greatest leader to ever live, right, is the, quote, good shepherd in so many ways. He sort of kind of put together the way of the shepherd because he is the greatest shepherd, uh, which uh, is why I bring this whole thing up this morning um, is because uh, we are actually starting a four-week message series starting today called, come up on the screen, called Rohi, 
knowing the God who cares. And rohi being the second part of the, the phrase Jehovah rohi and combining the personal name of God Jehovah or Yahweh uh, with the descriptive name of God rohi meaning, surprise, surprise, my shepherd. And which what we're going to do in this particular series is we are going to dive into one of the most famous psalms of, of all time, uh, Psalm 23. Many of you probably know that psalm by heart. Uh, and we're going to dive into the psalm to learn and grasp and understand more about who God is as the good shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. Being as many of you know, and we'll see this today as we read this, the beginning phrase of Psalm 23 that says, the Lord is my Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. The root word of rohi is actually uh, is raha, and, and it means to feed, to tend domestic animals by pasturing them, or pasturing them, cluing us into the fact that this name, this psalm speaks of God caring for his people in very, very practical ways, as well as providing spiritual sustenance, which is, again is why this series is called Rohi, Knowing the God Who Cares, because if you don't know this, God actually cares for you big time. And so Psalm 23, just a little bit of context about this psalm, is actually often referred to as the shepherd's psalm uh, because it's the best known biblical example of describing God as our shepherd. The author is actually none other than King David, who, uh, by the way, if you didn't know David's story, uh, David himself was a shepherd as a young man caring for his father's flocks. And so he knew from personal experience as he wrote this psalm what it meant to, to be valued by, uh, to value his sheep and, and his sheep being valued by him, um, even if that meant he had to put himself at risk into, into hardship. And so with that context, David actually writes this particular psalm and speaks of the blessings that were given to him and has been given to him uh, by God, his personal shepherd, which I think is you, if you read it in that context and, and which we're gonna do over the next four weeks, um, I think it gives us great depth into the nature and character of God, him wanting to be, by the way, if you don't know him as your personal shepherd, uh, he wants to be, and he wants to be more your personal shepherd. He wants to love for you and care for you and those kind of things. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really, really excited about this uh, next four weeks. It's where we're going to be heading. And each week, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, read Psalm 23 uh, every week, and we're going to uh, take a look at a couple different verses uh, throughout there and kind of pick those apart. Um, and uh, see what we can take from this um, and, and kind of how can God be more of our good shepherd? How can that infiltrate into our lives more in our daily lives? And so we're gonna read Psalm 23 together. And actually, I'm gonna try something this morning. Uh, we may not do this for the rest of the series, but we're gonna try it this morning. I actually would like for us to read it out loud together. It's only six verses, uh, so you can stay seated where you are, but I just wanna read this together. So it's gonna come up on the screen. And here's, uh, just let's just, just read it out loud together this morning. So <clears throat> clear your throat and just go, <clears throat> okay. All right, here we go. Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks for doing that, by the way. By the way, that's kind of a fun sound, hearing the scripture read in unison. Um, so that's where we're heading. We're going to pick apart that particular scripture the next four weeks, dissecting Psalm 23 piece by piece. And so today, as we kick off the series, we're going to focus on some keys from the first couple of verses there. But to help us get there, uh, I'm going to actually need you to do some. We're going to have some participation this morning to help us get into this first part of this psalm. All right. So I need you to stand this morning. All right. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to do uh, play a game this morning because let's be real. Uh, Matt plays games at church. Okay. So this game is actually called Order Up. And so I need you to do a couple things, all right? So this is called order up. Everybody put, put your hands like this. All right, this is order up. This is order down. This is order nose. This is order lobes, as in ear lobes. And this is order bows, as in elbows. And this is order nibbity bibble. I have no idea what that means. I, I just learned this when I was at camp. All right, so if I said order up, what would you do? If I said order down, order nose, order lobes, order bows, order nibbity bibble. Perfect. Now, here's the reality. You have to look at me. You can't look down. Zach tried to cheat when we did this this week. All right. You have to look at me because I'm going to be trying to mess you up. Okay. And so you have, if I tell you to do something, then you have to do it. But if I tell you to do something and you do something opposite, then you're going to have to sit down. And you're going to be out. Okay. We'll try a couple rounds just so you can understand what's going on. All right. So ready? Order up, order down, nose. If you went to your nose, you would be out. Okay. Now, well, no, 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 it was just a trial. Okay. I love the groans, by the way. I love it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Now this round's going to count. All right. Here we go. Ready? Order up, order down, order nose, order bows, nibbity bibble. If you went down to nibbity bibble, you're out. Okay. You can sit down. All right. We're going to do a couple more rounds. If you're still in, here we go. All right. Order nose, order lobes, order nose, order lobes, order nose, lobes. If you went to your lobes, you're out. Okay. All right. One more. We'll do one more. Oh man. I got everybody on that one. Here we go. All right. Nibbity bibble. All right, if you didn't even bibble, you're out. All right, perfect. All right, the rest of you can take a seat. Take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. All right. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me That's this morning. Some of you are like, we're not coming back to this church. All right. Um, but man, church should be fun every now and then, right? Those kind of things. So, all right, so there's a point to all this, all right? And it will take us into this first part of Psalm 23 topic this morning. Um, the point is this, to win that game, all right, to win that game, if, you would have, if we would have kept playing till like we got to the last couple of people, those kind of things, uh, is simply keep doing what I'm guiding you to do, right? Like if, if, if all you have to do is do what I tell you to do and avoid what I, I'm not telling you to do and not mess up all that kind of stuff. Of course, as I get faster and those kind of things, it gets a little more challenging. But the key is to do what I'm guiding you to do, which leads us to this beginning of Psalm 23, actually, where David points out the guiding or I could go, maybe the guider nature of God. He actually pinpoints it actually in the text. And it's the first thing I want us to pull out of this particular Psalm. The fact that God is, and this is our title this morning as well, that God is the shepherd who guides me. Actually, he's a shepherd who can guide you, can guide me. He is the guiding God. Okay, we're going to talk about that today. It's what we see in verses 1, 2, and 3 of Psalm 23 um, that I want to point out today and be able to grab some things from uh, so that ultimately we can understand and grasp more of this part of God. By the way, it's really good to grasp more of who God is in our life, all right? And so I, I want to uh, pinpoint a couple of those things today. But before I do that, I want to pause and pray. So if you would pray with me, and then I'll give you a couple things to write down and think about. So God, we... Uh, thank you for laughter and conversation and connection as a church family this morning. Uh, God, we do pray for, um, God, just this, this next few minutes together as we uh, pick apart this uh, beginning part of Psalm 23. And in the next four weeks, as we to look at this, God, I think there's some significance. It's why most people know this psalm is because there's a significance in this about you. 
So God, I pray that as we look at this first part today and again also the next couple weeks, that you would just do supernatural things as a result of our time together each week. That we, God, would be changed by you, encouraged by you, maybe challenged by you, that ultimately this would have significance in our lives towards you. And uh, it's not about me or what we have to share. Pastor Ryan would share next week. Those kind of, it literally is just about you. And so, God, we want, we want more of you. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, two points today. Here's your first one. You can write this in on your handout. Knowing the God who guides includes, number one, grasping what I have is what I need. Knowing the God who guides includes grasping what I have is what I need. Now, this comes from the very first verse of Psalm 23, just after David clearly, right, at the beginning says, the Lord is my shepherd, right? Um, and, but he says this, at the, uh, after he says that, in Psalm 23, verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then I underline, this word that's what we're gonna talk about, is I lack nothing. I lack nothing, which is important to note as it comes to just before realize, really laying out the rest of the whole gutter nature of God, right? I think it could, in this part can be easily missed. And honestly, I'll be honest with you. I think that this part can be actually glossed over quite a bit. But these three simple words, I lack nothing, pack a significant punch in this particular song. Really, first, and honestly, possibly the most important thing to grasp in God being our, our guiding God is that with him, with God, what we have is what we need. When we are truly connected to him, the God of the universe, in some senses, regardless of what stuff we have, regardless of what's going on in our life, what's happening in us, around us, we lack nothing. Because the shepherd is near. Because he is close and he's got this. I, I mean, I was, I was thinking this week about actual literal sheep. And so picture a sheep in your mind, right? By the way, I love the fact that sometimes it's great that God calls us sheep because sheep are cool, but they're also kind of dumb animals. But, but like the reality is that we in the scripture are sheep. And so I was thinking about sheep and, and, and here's the, so though the sheep can be dumb animals sometimes, the reality is the sheep also know that as long as there's a shepherd, they lack nothing, right? Because the, the sheep know that if there's a shepherd, they're gonna, they're gonna be taken care of. There's going to be food and, and, and there's going to be a, a, someone there to nurse them to health if they get hurt. There's going to be a place to, to, to sleep. The shepherd's got this. Can, if I can say it this way, the sheep know that they got backup. It's in the bag. And so I was thinking about that fact this week and how sheep think that way. And, and really what this psalm is kind of telling us is that we need to think that way. And I was thinking back to, um, I was reminded to like, you know, like, uh, and this is pretty typical, like in a, um, in like a TV scenario, like, you know, like a sitcom or something like that, there'll be this puny guy, Right. Like a guy like this, just real puny, like non-muscular guy. And, and for some reason, like he's like, listen, like he's got ready to get into a fight. And most people be like, dude, you're going to get killed. Right? But then as the, as the story unfolds, what happens is he's got guys like this behind him. With these kind of muscles. Right here. Going, by the way, those look similar to mine. But, you know. <laughs> So, so what we see, what the, first, the first part of it is we see this puny guy, he's getting into this fight, those kind of things, and we're like, whoa, what are you doing? And then we realize he's got guys behind him, right? And, and so as this unfolds, those, those kinds of things, right, we see that he's like, um, because of what's behind him, he's like, bet, let's go. Because he, he knows that ain't nothing gonna happen to at least him, 
right? He knows because he's got backup. You see, the point is, is he's not scared because he's got reliable backup. Folks, what I want to get at in this point is there's so much value knowing that there's backup from the God of the universe. And just like that, that kind of confidence, I love the fact that, again, David's life, you know, he's had some really good times and some really bad times, and David is expressing here this kind of confidence in God. There's so much value to knowing that we don't have to worry because we've got backup in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's why, in some senses, it's like we could say, like, hey, it's okay, I got a guy. Don't worry about it. Some of you didn't get that reference. Okay, all right. Right, like he's just saying, like, like we, we've, got, we've got the ability every day to say, don't worry about it, I got a guy. Like we can have that kind of confidence in God. And per our discussion today, the reason why, not only is it, but I mean, it's kind of cool that we get to have that opportunity to say that, but the reason why this matters in regards to Psalm 23 and God being a guide is because when we know we have that kind of backup, folks, it will help us not seek after things that will, will not satisfy and the things that really only he should satisfy. Grasping, again, the point is what I have is what I need. I'm sure that you can agree with me. This is the path I went down this week as I was working on this. That so much of our human existence, so much of mine and likely yours as well, we can be caught up in serious striving striving and striving and striving and striving, chasing things rather than just chasing God. Like I was thinking, I just made a list. We can strive and, and work ourselves to the bone so we can buy more stuff. Or we can, we can just have more things or collect more things. We can strive relationally to, to be in a relationship. We so desire and we can strive and we can strive and we can strive to be in a relationship or, or maybe in that specific one. And then what happens to us because we are so striving for that is that we end up in a place of unhealthy codependency. We can so often, well, this might be some of you, this is where I can live sometimes. We can so often just eat our feelings. Ever been there? Or we can drink or smoke to drown our sadness or our sorrow. We can live for the weekends to be able to blow off some steam and party and the list could go on and on and on and on and on, right? Seek other things to satisfy what only God can satisfy, which I know many of you have probably found the reality of that after a crash and burn of the things I just mentioned. By the way, I've done that too. And I was thinking this week about uh, like David, like again, the guy who wrote this Psalm. Some of you know this, but um, David, a good chunk of David's life. By the way, David is known as the man after God's own heart, which by the way, that's a pretty cool thing to be known as man after God's own heart. But David got caught up striving in the scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 11. You can read this on your own time this week, but he got caught up striving for a woman named Bathsheba. And in the end, it actually created such a mess for David as she was married and David slept with her and got her pregnant. And then he had her husband killed in order to cover it all up. And again, read the whole story this week. It's, it's a mess. Why? Because David got caught up striving for a taken woman rather than just chasing God. You see, seeking other things to satisfy what only God can, folks, will always, will always, will always end poorly for us. But let's be real. In the list that I just went through, some of us, we have those things. Probably all of us, at least one, right? It is much better for us to be guided by the principle of the sheep. Again, in some senses, I, I found myself this week going, Lord, help me be a dumb sheep, <laughs> 
and just follow the way of, of, of knowing that I have a shepherd, be, be guided by that. And, and so what I have is, is what I need and I lack nothing. The shepherd's got this. And, and then I was reading things like Matthew chapter six, this is verse 25 and 33. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. And then verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, the Lord is my shepherd, folks. If we know him as our savior, we lack nothing. We lack nothing. Knowing the God who guides includes grasping what I have is what I need. But the question comes in this point is this, are we actually approaching God this way? Are we approaching God this way? Jehovah, Rohi, the shepherd who makes it so that we lack nothing, guided by that principle in our everyday lives. Just a sheep, like I'm just a sheep, trust in God. Are, are we doing that? If I'm honest with you, when I got to this point in my prep, I wanted to say, yeah, I'm doing that. But if I'm honest with you, I struggle there. I struggle because let, let, let's be honest, like, like the reality is like, I mean, you know, you heard Ryan say that like, you know, my brother's more look, and good looking than me, but he's not. All right. But like, but I'm a fairly good looking guy. I've got a lot of skills. I can do a lot of things. Right. The reality is, is that there's, if you're anything like me, the, the truth of the matter is, is that I can walk through my life being guided by me, not guided by the shepherd. And so here's, here's my thought is that I think it's important. That's why I think it's so important to, to talk about this today and be reminded of this from the Psalm and David's word, folks, that my life is to not be guided by striving for, but instead be surrendered to. Surrendered to the provider nature of the shepherd. We will live a life that is actually what we're talking about in this Psalm, what we're gonna get to in just a little bit, where there's some good refreshment for our soul. We will get there if we can stop being guided by us and more often be guided by this amazing shepherd. And if we're honest with ourselves, we fall into the trap too much of us guiding ourselves than being guided by the shepherd. It's just my life. That's, that's the truth of it. Now, so that's our first point today. Knowing the God who guides includes grasping what I have is what I need. Second point, you can fill this in. Knowing the God who guides includes awaiting repeated incredible destinations. Awaiting in repeated incredible destinations. And what I mean by that is that we're going to, uh, we're going to trust this shepherd to take us somewhere good. And more than once in a lifetime. And I'll tell you why in just a little bit, uh, but definitely at the end of our life as well. I think sometimes we can hope for heaven, which by the way, keep hoping for heaven. But, but the reality is, is that we can trust that God's going to take us somewhere good and more than once in a lifetime. Now, a, a little caveat here before I dive in. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that, oh, follow God and life will be easy. By the way, I think some people have been told that lie. And the reality is, is life gets tough and then they run away from God. Okay. So I'm not saying that today. But, but what I am saying is that goodness is what he is about. Goodness is what God is about. If you know the song we sing here, sometimes the goodness of God, it's like, his goodness is running after, is running after me, right? His goodness is running after each and every single one of us. It's what he wants. And, and so though like he'll, he'll, there might be a journey to get us there right now, he's going to get us to some goodness. It's what his desire is for you. And so this point comes from the, the second and third verse of Psalm 23. It says this, again, just to remind us, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me, there it is plainly for our topic today. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, what I want to do for the rest of our time together is I actually want to look at verses two and three, word kind of uh, a few words at a time, and uh, kind of drive this point home of awaiting repeated incredible destinations, okay? So the first is, right, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay, I want to look at that. Um, and so there's a little bit of context that we have to understand in regards to biblical context here to, to really grasp this, okay? Um, contextually, shepherds in biblical times didn't quote unquote like drive their sheep. You know, you might like think about like driving the horses, like they're whipping things behind them. They didn't drive their sheep, okay? Instead they, uh, of pushing their herd, they actually walked ahead of the flock and the herd would just follow where they lead. And, and, and in, in the nation of Israel, they didn't really have a whole lot of lush green pastures except kind of in the rainy season. And so shepherds had to guide their flocks to green pasture. Otherwise, the sheep would go hungry and they would die. And so what we need to understand here is that this is not where it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. We, we might see that as a, he forces me to right? But, but we, can't, uh, we, uh, we don't need to look at it as a forces me to, but we need to look at it as more of a he leads me to. Like, and essentially, like, again, Jesus being the ultimate leader of all time, right? He leads us to these pastors in such great skill that, that, that really, though, though, like, though there is still a choice, like, it's almost like it really is the only option because like a sheep, right, there's nothing left green over here and he leads us to this other pasture and now there's all this green stuff that it almost makes sense that that's just what you do because he's such a great leader. It's really the only option. He makes me lie down in green pastures awaiting, right? He's leading us so well, if we let him, he'll lead us to these pastures Time after time after time after time. Now, will there be a challenge to get there? Sure. My, my guess is, right, for the sheep, like, if, again, if you know the nation of Israel, right, there's, there's some rocky places. And so from, from one pastor to the other, I'm sure that there were some, some rocks that had to climb. I was sure that it was rough terrain, and it could have been maybe a longer distance, and they were like, they could have like, oh, just, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to go. But the next green spot was coming because it was where the shepherd was leading. There may be a journey. And by the way, some of you, you might be in the middle of the journey right now. But I will tell you this, is that the Lord's goodness is chasing after you and he's gonna take you to a green pasture. I am confident of that because it's what he's about. I was actually thinking of it like trying to figure out uh, like a practical example and I was uh, I was thinking about it like this. Many of you know that my family, our vacation this year, we went to uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And uh, we went into the mountains and we were at a cabin all week. Uh, we did some hiking and uh, it was an incredible, incredible, incredible vacation. If I can say it this way, it was a green pasture for the Pormon family, big time. Quite literally, by the way, by some of these pictures, it was very, very beautiful, Right. And so it took us about nine hours to drive there. And then when we came back, it was about nine hours to get back. And so it wasn't too bad of a drive, those kind of things. But what you may not know is that uh, when we got home on Saturday, my children, all three of them, had to quickly do some laundry and repack because they literally were leaving the very next morning at like six in the morning to go to the student mission trip, which was in Tennessee. So, right, so if you do the math, right, so they were in the car on Saturday, nine hours home to do some laundry, and then got back in the car and went 11 and a half hour trip back to Tennessee. So my children in two days were in the car for 20 hours. How many of you know that was not fun for them? 
right? I actually felt pretty bad for them because I was like, once you, once you get home from a trip, the last thing you want to do is get back in the car, right? So they got back in the car uh, and they were not overly thrilled with the, with, with the, the fact that they were going to have to be in the car 20 hours, those kind of things. But here's, here's what happened when they got there though. When they got to Tennessee, when they got to the mission trip, uh, they got to serve and grow all week together with a bunch of students from here from the church and five other churches from around the, around the U.S. And so for me, as I was thinking about this week, we had a green pasture on our vacation and we had a journey home and, and then they got to another green pasture. They got to another place. And so the journey was tough, right? That was a tough 20 hours of being in the car, but there was a green pasture. Another green spot came in my kid's life. Folks, the truth is knowing the God who guides includes awaiting these, by the way, we don't like to wait, but we have to await these repeated incredible destinations, pasture to pasture, pasture to pasture. Sometimes there may be some, not some fun things going on in the midst of the process, but the next green spot is coming because it's where our shepherd wants to lead us. And by the way, if you don't know, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus, do you know that Jesus never stops leading? We just stop listening. He's leading you to the next pasture. The reality is, are you listening and walking and, and trusting him in the, the fact that, he, that though it may not feel great today, there's a green pasture coming. We have to listen to him. Secondly, then this is the next set of words here to talk through in this psalm is, um, is then he uh, says, right, he makes me light on green pasture. The second part is he leads me beside quiet waters. Um, you may or may not know this. Some of you might know this, but um, again, we're talking about physical sheep, right? Like the animals, like sheep actually will not drink from a rushing stream. Did you know that? They actually drink from a rushing stream. They, they will go thirsty or dehydrate, dehydrate before uh, drinking from moving water source. Nor will they instinctively seek out clean water. They're actually, again, sheep can be kind of dumb animals sometimes. And so like they, they are prone just to drink whatever is available. And so a good shepherd leads a sheep to calm, clean water. He leads me beside quiet waters. Which then we're told by David, right? Because of that, that he does and is. And again, repeated incredible destinations. I mean, right, we all know the high, the high value of water in our bodies, right? We know that and how good it is to have uh, replenishment in water. I just started drinking water at the age of like 40. Um, but it's, but like, it's good for you. Like doctors tell you, right? We know the reality of that, right? And, and, and over and over and over. And actually by, by drinking more water, it leads us to greater success in life. That's just what we're told by doctors and it's true. And so then I was thinking about, again, trying ways to kind of explain this. And I, I thought about, many of you know, again, we just showed this video. Uh, Ryan talked about it, right? That we had a team in, in Honduras uh, uh, last week, like a week ago, right? And, uh, and if you've never been out of the country or if you've never gone on a mission trip, whenever you go out of the country or, or go on a mission trip, like oftentimes when you go to those places, they will tell you to not drink the water, right? Don't drink the water because it, it might have some bacteria in it, like only drink the bottled water or water out of this or those kind of things. And, and because uh, it, like, it's just the reality, it can have bacteria, you can make you sick, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and specifically in Honduras, I mentioned it's crazy hot. And so drinking water is crucial. When I was there last summer, um, uh, getting a fresh full water bottle was like a level of survival in Honduras. And if I can make this parallel to Psalm 23, it's what allowing God to truly drive and steer and guide our life can also be like fresh, clean water supplies coming our way repeatedly, which is crucial for survival in so many ways. 
We can and should be awaiting and anticipating repeated incredible destinations because if we do it, folks, if we, and you know this, you've been there, right? If we do it on our own, because we can sometimes be the dumb sheep. If we do it on our own, we will find ourselves in rushing, dirty water situations rather than where David tells us we can be, which Again, the repeated incredible destiny. He actually says this in verse three, the next part to look at. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. He refreshes my soul. God can refresh our soul, not just our thirst, but our soul and and my soul and your soul. If we let him, if we let him lead and guide us to these destinations, gosh, he will refresh. How many of you today, you would benefit from a level of refreshment of your soul. Raise your hand. Gosh, I want that today. I need that today. And this psalm tells us, this is the psalm of the shepherd, right, tells us, he gives us things like, and I'm gonna have a couple things for you to write down in here. What I'm calling today, God's soul refreshers today. He will give us, first, he will give us rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, some of you know the scripture says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. That, by the way, that word all means all. That means every single one of you in this room, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And when he says this, uh, it, it, it's, it's true rest, soul rest, not just a good night's sleep, not, not just a good nap. He will give you rest for your soul. And then secondly, he will give us abundance. You can fill that in in your handout. And, and but when I say abundance, I don't mean that he's gonna give us stuff. I think there are a bunch of people out there, maybe some uh, Christians would say, oh, follow the Lord and you will be blessed and have much. The reality is, if you don't know, like oftentimes we actually get to have little because people need more. And so I'm not saying that in this that it's stuff, but what Jesus is saying in John 10, 10 is what I'm talking about. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There will be refreshment by being truly fulfilled solely by being connected to God. Oh, what's that like? Kind of what I talked about in point one today, actually. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There will be a refreshment by being spiritually blessed beyond measure. That says there with every spiritual, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Can I tell you, that all sounds really good to me. What, look, man, I, if you haven't prayed this before, you should pray every now and then. You'll be like, Lord, you promised that you will give me every spiritual blessing. Give it to me. You can even stand like that if you want to. That, that's a pretty good prayer. Lord, you said every spiritual blessing, I need that. Come like a, refresh my soul. Like just fall on me. Be a waterfall. Oh, what a prayer. And then finally, the last soul refresher being this, peace. You can feel that in your hand now, peace. This, uh, from John 14, 27, it's Jesus' word says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He can refresh our soul, your soul, my soul, if we let him lead us and guide us to the stuff, these places, these destinations. David reiterates this at the end of verse three, which is the last thing to look at. He says, he guides me along the right paths for his name." And that's the point, that there's value in taking the right path, the path that God leads us on, the one that the shepherd directs in order to repeatedly get some incredible destinations. Which let's, let's, let's face it, right? We want those anyway, don't we? We want those destinations. 
where we can experience job fulfillment, healthy relationships, emotional stability, et cetera, et cetera. We want those things, right? We don't, nobody wants to like, ah, I don't want that stuff. We all want that stuff. But the key is taking direction turn by turn from God to get there, which let's be real is the real problem, isn't it? Because we like to be in control of our lives, don't we? We, we like to be the ones to say what goes. A good chunk of us, we would even have to label ourselves. And if you, if you aren't your spouse or somebody who came with, you could probably label you this, right? We're control freaks. Matt Poorman's a control freak. My daughter's in the back and she's smiling really, really heavily right now, right? Where well, those of us that are control freaks, this is why following God can sometimes become a challenge because we are unwilling to relinquish our say-so in things. In some ways, we can find ourselves telling God what he's supposed to do. Oh, you ever done that? We, we tell God what, what he should be doing or, or, or ultimately like uh, just basically trying to, to manipulate and control everything. And the reality is, is that, the, that David showcases here in three short verses, these highly impactful verses, that there is a much better way than that that will exponentially prove itself. By the way, if you don't know, following Jesus, I think sometimes... In America, we go, I go to church. That's great. Come to church. But the reality is God wants all of you. He wants what you think. He wants what you say. He wants what you, how you spend your money. All this kind of, like he wants all of you. And yet what we like to do is like, I give God this part. And I'm going to hold all this. Okay, I'll give him this part too. But then I'm going to still hold all this. The, man, following God is a reality of just say, Lord, I am yours. I am open. Do with me as you will. And if you've bought the lie that it's just bits and pieces of it, man, I'm telling you, you got the wrong gospel. The reality is, is it, following Jesus is 100% of all of you. It's jumping in the pool. It's not just di dipping your toe in. And so he wants all of us. Which leads me to this question, and I'll end today with this, is am I controlling anything? Go ahead and bring that up if you would. Am I controlling anything that God needs to <laughs> Are you and I holding on to a piece of our lives and by doing so, we are cutting our legs from under us and experiencing actually the reality of Psalm 23? I honestly think it's something sort of to kind of dive into and explore today because my guess is, here's my guess, likely if we really dive into that question, all of us will find something. Because even if we say yes to God in the midst of it and we have all these intentions, our human nature is to take back. It's, it's like um, often around here, I talk about giving God the driver's seat of our life, right? And then uh, sometimes we try to one cheek that seat back. We try to take back and we try to drive it back, right? And so some of us probably, I made a list of things. And so maybe, maybe the thing you tried to, uh, or haven't given to God or been holding on to or maybe taken back from God, is maybe it's your relationship status. Maybe it's the language that you use, how you eat, what you watch, listen to, or read, how you spend your money, your schedule, are you exercising, your thoughts. Maybe it's a critical spirit or bitterness towards other people, just to name a few. And here's my guess today, by, by me just naming some of those things off, some of you felt in your spirit, oop, that's mine. Maybe it's time to dive into and explore that with God and to work on giving that piece of your life to God in order that you can see more of Psalm 23 actually play out in your life. Because that's what he wants, by the way. He, he does not want you, he does not want to withhold pieces of Psalm 23. He wants you to have all experience of Psalm 23 in your life every single day. That's what he wants. 
And, I, and so I put in my notes, it's an interesting experiment to say the least, I think. And who knows where God would take you if you would finally give, uh, example, years ago, this is not in my notes, this is free for y'all. Um, years ago, uh, I felt like the Lord asked me this question. He said, do you love me more than Leah? Many of you know that I love my wife because she's pretty awesome. So my response to God was, I, I, well, God, I, I want to. I want to love you more than Leah, but I don't, really know, I don't really know how to do that. And so I got some counsel, those kind of things. And one of the things that I now do uh, rhythmically in my life, in my prayer, I mean, some of you guys know the story of Abraham and Isaac, where uh, Abraham had to be willing to sacrifice his son on the altar. And so now what I do in, the, in, this, uh, in my prayer time is that uh, with this young lady right here, I will do the same thing. I will say to her, I'll say to God, God, I put Abby on the altar. She's yours before she's mine. And I will say to, about my wife, Lord, I put Leah on the altar. She's yours before she's mine. Because how many of you know she belonged to God way before she belonged to me? And so the reality is, is that I had to give up my family. But God said to me in, that, in those, that conversation, he goes, Matt, you don't even know what I will do with your family if you actually let, them ha- let me have them back. And, and you guys, some of you know that today we're taking our son to college and it's gonna be a moment where we're gonna cry a lot today. But can I tell you something? Many people hate their teenagers. Well, I don't wanna say hate their teenagers. They hate having teenagers. Can I tell you like, I love having teenagers. And, and I don't know if it's in a direct co- correlation to the fact that I've for years now been putting on the altar, but can I tell you, I'm, I think it has something to do with it. My kids are incredible. Now, it's not like there aren't days where I want to tackle my son or like say, you know, quit sassing each other and all that kind of stuff. But, but the reality is, is like there's something to when I finally gave God my family, something happened. So I think there's something to this whole idea of like, if you're controlling something, if you're in something and God needs to control it, man, it, I will tell you there's benefit to letting him have it. You don't know, Matt, you don't know what I can do if you just give me your family. Knowing the God who guides includes awaiting repeated incredible destinations, which is point two today. Gosh, I think there's something to that. And so with that, why don't you stand? And we're going to move into a time of responsive worship and prayer. Today. Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.